And as you uh, find your seat, you can also uh, find your Bible this morning, uh, this library we call the Bible, and we'll be in Mark chapter 2 as you turn there. Mark is one of the, the four gospel stories, the four uh, really biographies of Jesus in this library we call the Bible. You might ask, well, why are there four of them? Isn't one sufficient? Well, uh, it's the same reason there might be four biographies of Abraham Lincoln or four biographies of George Washington or four biographies of whoever in the library down the street. It's a library. Different writings, different audiences, different perspectives, and different purposes in writing, and Mark is just one of those of the four. That's one of the amazing things about uh, the library we call the Bible, that the Holy Spirit uh, despite all the many different books in this library, stitch them all into one unified story that leads to Jesus Christ. We celebrate that this morning by our, in our reading in Mark and, and elsewhere, and uh, I just think that's an awesome enough fact that when I come to speak from Scripture uh, on Sunday mornings, I take to the habit of holding it up. And this is just a, 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 an action that reminds me that I, I submit to the authority of the word. I'm, I'm beneath it, not the other way around. And, uh, and I'm eager for an encounter with Jesus this morning. So church, if that's us this morning, then why don't we pray that the Holy Spirit who inspired these words, who stitched this amazing library together like there is none anywhere else in the universe, uh, might he also uh, inspire us as we receive these words and live them this week. Let's pray. Almighty God. I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would inspire us. You would open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our minds to understand, and perhaps most importantly, our hearts to know this message, to receive this message, and to live this message. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, yesterday I uh, was on my way to see my parents in College Station. They live in South College Station. Um, and, you know, it was rainy and all that stuff. Jennifer, as she said earlier, was at uh, a retreat, so I had to have the, ch the kids, you know, on my own since Thursday, and I had the kids alone, you know, on, on Saturday morning. But my uncle, uh, who's from Minnesota, because that's where my, my mother and her family grew up in Minnesota, and he still lives there. He travels around. And, uh, but he was, he was down for a visit, Uncle Neil. And so uh, one thing I thought was, well, Uncle Neil needs some, some true, good Central Texas barbecue. Can we get an amen about that? Amen. And I, this is just like an aside story, but I went to somewhere uh, you know, when I was a student at A&M that I thought was great. I went there a couple weeks ago, and it was just terrible. And then I thought, I don't know where to find good barbecue in Bryan College Station. I really don't. So if you have a tip, let me know. I'm, I'm sure it's got to be there somewhere. I mean, this is like they have a school about barbecue. But anyways, I thought, well, I'm going to bring him some real Central Texas barbecue. So I went and got some barbecue from Hecho, and, and we fueled up the van, and all the kids were loaded up in the van and, and ready to go. And we start driving down the road. Remember, it's raining. And uh, by the time we get almost to that light on, uh, on 79, you know, where you have to choose to go to Rockdale or, or, or forward, um, Max says, I got to go potty. Of course. of course. You've had kids, so you know it. <laughs> and this was despite the fact that I was very certain to make sure he went potty before, you know, we left, right? <laughs> so I tell you, I was on my way to my goal to bring and deliver Central Texas barbecue to my long, so I guess he's not a long lost uncle, but an uncle I hadn't seen in a while, you know, and, uh, and then along the way, I got distracted. I, ha I had this side story, this, this branch off this story, and, and I had to turn around at that U-turn. Do you know there's actually, they have a light for that, and it's like only U-turn, yeah. The few of you that are nodding your heads are like, yeah, hey, I've been in this situation before. <laughs> and uh, so turn around, but I have to tell you, I was, I was so mad. I was so frustrated 
I would be embarrassed that any of you saw me in that moment. I'm telling you, I'm, and I'm, you're laughing, but I'm dead serious. I would be so embarrassed that you saw me. It was like, the pastor is like that, you know? And it wasn't aggression towards, towards Max. It was just like, come on, are you kidding me? And uh, that side story, it, it was such a distraction to me yesterday. And, and, and you live that too, some side stories yourself, you know? Like, like when you get an urgent phone call from a coworker or maybe even worse, a boss, and it's like, you have to do this right now. And it's like, well, I was doing this other thing, but you know, now this side distraction, this, this, this sub-story, this subplot. Or, or uh, maybe it's your spouse, and, and you were busy working in, in, in the yard or in the kitchen or doing the laundry or, or, or writing or reading or whatever it was, and your, your spouse brings this urgent request or this, this dire situation. We have to go and drop everything and go and do this thing. Or, or, or maybe it was out on the field. It was, it was a, 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 a bad tackle. It was a, an errant ball. It was a, a bad dribble, and you tripped over it, and you, you, you injured yourself. And, and the goal was to play the whole season to get the scholarship to do the thing and be a contributor to the team, but now you're injured and you can't do that. And, and this sub-story, this subplot begins and, and it feels so frustrating, doesn't it? Like, come on. Are you kidding me? Why now? Why now? Did you know that Jesus in these stories, these biographies about Jesus, many times he's on his way to a goal and there's a, there's a sub-story, there's a distraction, what might look like a distraction to you and me. Uh, there's, a, there's a subplot that forms, and, and in a way, the biblical authors marked these stories with this sort of phrase, along the way, or about that time, or as he was going, and these sorts of phrases indicate you know, Jesus is on his way to do something, a main thing, and then, and then a distraction occurs. And that's what this series, uh, through this week and throughout Lent, is really all about, is looking at these stories in Jesus' story, about these moments where he got distracted, what might look like a distraction to us, and, and, and really slow down enough to ask ourselves, what, what does that mean for us and our distractions? Is it, are those distractions really all that bad, and can God work in and through them anyway. So the first one that comes up this morning is in Mark chapter 2 is where we're going to start. And you'll remember if you've been with us a, a little while, last year we did a whole uh, worship series on the gospel of Mark, uh, becoming a disciple, as we realized that Mark wrote the story, but, um, but really it seems like, based on some little clues within the story itself, that Peter was the one who lived the story. Peter was kind of translating the story to Mark, who was writing it down. And uh, Mark has this sort of distinct character of speediness. <laughs> so he gets right to the point and right into it. You'll notice as you begin reading Mark, there's no Christmas story. There's no information about him being a teenager or a, or a youth or a child or being born. It doesn't start with a genealogy like Matthew or, or Luke. But it starts right in with John the Baptist, and then boom, Jesus is baptized, and then boom, Jesus enters into ministry. So by the time we get just a few verses into chapter 2, Jesus has already done some incredible things in Mark's telling of this story. He's already healed people. He's already cast out demons. He's already called his first four disciples. And so this fast-paced nature of Mark moves us along, and we are kind of entering into that fast-paced stream of storytelling as we see Mark chapter 2, verse 13. And so again, once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. So he's already been by a lake in this story within a page and a half uh, back when he was calling and walking along and calling uh, 
uh, the first four disciples, the fishermen, to come, leave their nets, and follow after me. I'll make you fishers of people. You remember that story? And Peter was in that crowd as he was called. So here's, once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. So already we have the main goal that Jesus is after. He's already, he's walking on the lake. He's got a goal of teaching a crowd that's come to him. And as he walked along, so there's our key word, and, and actually beneath the surface here is a Greek word, uh, para, uh, perigo, and um, I know you, you're not seeing that, but that's actually a word I'm looking for as this series comes together, marking these sorts of stories, walking along as they're going, as uh, along the way, that sort of feeling here. So that's our cue that this is a story uh, for this season in our, in our teaching. As he walked along, or along the way, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Now, tax collectors... Uh, they, they weren't regarded very highly in the time, okay? The tax collectors in, in, in the Jewish mind and in the audience that Mark and Peter are living in and writing to, uh, tax collectors are, well, scum. Actually, that's how the, the New Living Translation, which I'm not using this morning, but, but I usually do use, translates later on tax collectors and sinners as scum. I mean, that's, that's the mindset there. And the reason is because tax collectors were... Uh, probably in the pocket of some aristocracy that's trying to control and, and maneuver and politically gain power over these small communities of, of uh, spread out Jews at the time, or they're agents of this overarching uh, government called Rome, you know, that was coming for you and your money and your land and all that kind of stuff. Um, and besides all of that, tax collectors often didn't just take what Rome asked them to take or the aristocracy asked them to take, but they took a little bit extra and pocketed the difference. And so these were, really were actually sinful people. The Bible's not trying to make a claim that tax collecting and what they were doing is okay. You know, that's not, that's an, a bad interpretation here. They're, actually, they were sinful. They were scum. And so that, that's the picture there. And here Levi is sitting in this booth on the beach. Uh, another thing about that, perhaps he was, uh, apparently he wasn't, um, he wasn't some sort of like roaming tax collector or anything like that. He had a booth. He had an establishment. He had a secure job, it seems like, a secure position and a place to do that job. Maybe he was collecting tolls as people came in and out of the town through via the sea. Maybe he was collecting tariffs or taxes. Either way, he's lumped in with that sinful category, and he was a sinner, a tax collector. And there he was, sitting in his collector's booth. And look what happens next. Follow me. Two simple words. Follow me, Jesus told them. And Levi got up and followed him. I love this. We talk about this all the time in our Wednesday night Bible study. Uh, some, some kind of just cues, some ways that you can see and read and really open up the scriptures to yourself. There's, there's two big ones I'd, I'd commend to you all the time as you're reading scripture to look for. The first one is repetition. When a word is repeated or even a thought or theme or idea or plot line is repeated over and over again and you recognize that, that will just open up the scriptures to you and your interpretation. The second one is this, contrast. When you see that two things are pit pitted against each other in a contrasting way, that's another way that it, it will open up. And there's a big contrast right here in this one verse. We just have to slow down enough to see it. Because the author, Mark, was really careful to say that Levi was sitting in his tax collector's booth. He was sitting in his tax collector's booth. Jesus said, follow me, and then what did Levi do? He stood up. Levi got up. There's the contrast right there. From sitting to standing. 
And believe it or not, I think that is a key that just unlocks this story for us this morning, that Levi was sitting in his booth, and then Jesus happened, and then Levi stood up and followed him. He could, he, the, the author could have just as well said, Levi just followed him, but he didn't. He wanted to be really clear, from sitting to standing is what an encounter with Jesus does to Levi. He's got this magnetism about him, too, as we go on and read this story, that while Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, apparently Levi invited him to dinner, Many other tax collectors and sinners, many other scummy people were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many of such people who followed him. There were many who followed Jesus. Jesus apparently has this magnetism that when you encounter Jesus, there's just this attraction, this draw, this desire to be close, to be near, to be followed, to go from sitting to standing, to be going from your established place, your 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 tax collecting booth to wherever it is that Jesus is going. And we see the interruptions start to come out here too. That, that Jesus, he was walking along the shore, he was teaching the crowds, but then Levi happens, the distraction. And, and Levi was content to sit in his booth, his establishment, his place. But then Jesus came and he stood and he went, a distraction, a change of course, a different path. And then it goes on, another path we see that's distracted and disturbed. When the uh, teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw Jesus eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked Jesus' disciples, well, why does he eat with such scum, with those tax collectors and those sinners? Why does he do that? And we see another story with a goal. The Pharisees, the scribes, they had this idea of who a rabbi is, who, who a, a proper teacher, who a pious person is, and, and it wasn't eating dinner with tax collectors and sinners. And so when Jesus does that, they say, oh, that's a side story, that's a distraction, that's off the main plot, and why is he doing that? Jesus' response in verse 17. On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And it's such an obvious truth, isn't it? And and, and if I dare try to add just a little bit to this, and I just offer this because I think it helps me frame it and me understand it and see it in the way that Jesus is is presenting it, I'll add to it or or I'll say this about it. The only people who need a rescuer are people who need to be rescued. That's just a plain truth, isn't it? The only people who need a savior are people who need to be saved. The only people who need good news are, are people who are living bad lives or have some badness in their life. The the only people who need a rescuer are the people who need to be rescued. And that's what Jesus is saying here. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Healthy people don't need a doctor, but the sick do. Amen? Who's, who's sick in the room that needs a doctor? Say amen. Oh, not too many of you? Oh, my, that's why my job's so easy, huh? And it seems so obvious and so plain what Jesus teaches here. But I think we failed to really live our lives according to that too often. We really do. I, I do. Because I think back and identify with Levi and his comfort zone and his established booth. 
And too often I find myself and you find yourself sitting in that booth, chugging along. You've got your main goal ahead of you, and you're content to just keep preserving life as it is, keep moving forward as things go. You're content to just survive and, well, not always thrive. You're content to just sit in that booth of self-preservation or self-inclination or self-inspiration. And then Jesus. And then the distraction. And did you, did you catch that when Jesus came to Levi, and Levi moved from sitting in his booth of sin, okay, to standing and following Jesus. It wasn't because Jesus sat down with the Bible and said, let's do a Bible study. And it wasn't because Jesus prayed any particular prayer, said any kind of particular words with him. It wasn't out of a worship experience that was really good and satisfying. It wasn't from like some new way of thinking about the world or some theology philosophy that just makes everything different. It wasn't any of those things. It was simply because the Son of God, God incarnate, showed up in front of him. And he had an encounter with Jesus. As a church whose mission is to encounter Jesus, can we say amen? Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that Bible study, worship, proper thinking, or any of those things are bad things. Because here's the deal. Jesus has promised to meet us in those ways. Those are the ordinary ways in which he gives himself to us. And so if we want to encounter Jesus like Levi did, we're not blessed with an in-person Jesus in time like he was, but we're blessed with the living, risen Savior as we are today. And he has promised to meet us in the reading of his word and worship and all those ways. But it's not those things in and of themselves that changes Levi. That's my point. It was that encounter with Jesus, that magnetism, that change. And you know what I realized looking back at this whole story is that all of a sudden this story that started out and I started studying it as like, okay, how is Jesus distracted here? How is Levi distracted here? I realized that 2,000 years later we're reading the story about the distraction. Did you catch that? That actually what seemed like a distraction to us actually became the main attraction to Jesus. What seemed like a, 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 an off-script thing became the main script here in this story. That was, what was a distraction to us became the main attraction to Jesus. It's kind of like yesterday when I turned around. And I was so frustrated and angry, and I was that way for a couple hours, okay? But in hindsight and in reflection, I, I had the, the ability to calm down and ask myself, well, what was really more important in that moment? Fifteen minutes saved for, to go meet a bunch of retired people that don't, you know, don't live their lives on a clock anyways. You know, it's like 15 minutes saved or the opportunity to learn patience, to grow closer to my son, to realize that I'm not as big a deal and my schedule and my story and my pathway is not as big a deal as I like to think that it is. And that what I thought was a distraction really became a main attraction for Jesus to change me that yesterday. Or it's that injury that you suffered way back when or, or you're going through right now or a friend's going through. 
and it seems so detrimental. But maybe that distraction is actually the main attraction that Jesus is calling you to. I think one of the reasons that we are so uncomfortable with those along the way interruptions and distractions and subplots and substories that, that draw us off of our main attention is that while we realize when, now that when that happens, Jesus is calling us to the main thing, that, what occurs to me is that the, the path that I was on wasn't what Jesus had for me to begin with. Maybe we're so uncomfortable with going this way with Jesus because we're so unused to following him in the main way. Am I making, I'm not sure I'm saying that real clear enough. Here, let me, let me put it this way with Romans. Paul said this, summed it up like this, that we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. When those distractions and those subplots crop up, they seem like a problem, they seem like a, a, an issue to solve, but actually it's the main thing. It's where we meet Jesus the greatest. Think about this. There's a whole sermon series, like eight weeks, based on stories on that Greek word, perigo, this moment of along the way where Jesus seems drawn off his path. And let me tell you some of the most amazing and most significant moments, most unbelievable moments in all of human history happened because of those things, in those stories. People that were blind see. People who were sick are healed. People who don't believe come to believe. People's hearts are set on fire on the, in those moments where this, what's a side distraction is actually the main attraction of what Jesus is doing in their lives. And all of them start with an encounter with Jesus. Every single one of them. Because they encountered Jesus. So what if in your life, those things that seem like a distraction were actually the main attraction to Jesus. Not a problem to solve, but a new way of living. Not something to be upset and frustrated by because you wasted 15 or 20 minutes or 15 or 20 years, okay? But something that God is using to work for your good and for his good. What if the distraction to you is really the main attraction to Jesus? Because in John, we learn that Jesus says this about himself, that he is, I am, the way, the truth, and the life. And any time you step towards the way, it can never be the wrong way. <laughs> it's only ever the right way. When he draws you off path onto the unbeaten path, it's always good always worth following. When he calls you and says, follow me, those simple words, when you encounter Jesus, always worth standing up out of your seat and moving on, pursuing Jesus Christ to become his disciple, to become like him. This morning, I don't know if someone wants to take that step but I do want to pray. If y'all, let's, let's pray and close our eyes. You know, Levi did such a simple thing to recognize that he would follow Jesus. We, we sang a song just now, Lord, to you, that we have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. 
And so this morning, we just we want to join with Levi in the way that, that he showed his obedience, his calling, his attraction to you. We know that we've encountered Jesus this morning. Just, just know that for a moment. If you're confused, if you feel lonely, if you think this is strange, maybe just pray, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Reveal yourself to me. Jesus, 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 be with us. And know his presence here this morning, friends. And if you know his presence, let's respond like Levi. If you'd like, if you'd like to follow Jesus, just stand up where you are. Just stand up to follow Jesus. Stand up to, to move in his direction. Stand up to, to acknowledge that your way, the, 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 the comfort zone of the booth of, of self preservation and self-inclination is not enough that that what you want to do is to follow Jesus that you've encountered Jesus this morning that that there's nothing else to do but to take a step in a way that might feel threatening might feel like a distraction but it's the main attraction it's the thing that God will use where you will be healed where where people will come to know him through you and your story it's not it's not a subplot it's the main plot if you want to stand up and follow Jesus this morning I invite you to do that. And God, I'm thankful for these people and for everyone here this morning who's decided to follow you, to follow you, to stand up, to no longer sit, but to move and do your will, to follow your way, the way, Jesus Christ. We no longer want the distraction, but we want... We want all of your story in its fullness to be lived out in us and through us, that others will come to follow you too, just like Levi and his friends, the scum of the town, to come and sit at the feet and at the teaching of Jesus Christ. Make us to be people who lead that charge. Remind us that we need rescuing from our rescuer. We need saving from our savior. We need good news out of this bad news that we live. And we're thankful, we're thankful, we're thankful, Jesus, that you have, in, you have come this morning, we have encountered you. And we pray that as we continue to, in this worship series over the next few weeks, that these stories become an inspiration for us, that those many distractions in life, the U-turns back to home to go potty or whatever it is, the, the, the injury, the phone call, that all these things can be used to your glory and we have faith that you are using them to make all things good. And we pray all this. In the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, as the whole church rises to sing our final song this morning, um, take my life and let it be. Take my life and let it be. Amen.